Welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, the Golden Girls podcast. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt that's full of no one, I am Alan, and joined by Brent. <laughs> Good morning. And Ski. Hi. I, I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> Hi. And today we are going to be doing uh, The Accurate Conception, Season 5, Episode 3, with uh, Brent doing our recap for us today. Uh, but of course, still all the other stuff, uh, MVPs mm -hmm. and favorite lines and whatnot. The normal accoutrement. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, did you have anything uh, that you, I don't know, wanted to mention before we get into the episode? Ah, I don't know. Did we have any listener mail or anything? Uh, we did. We had a, well, we have a new a new country. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. That's we have, really pretty cool. Yeah. So our, nice. our new country, and we actually got a couple listens from Hong Kong. Nice. Yeah. So our first. Kind of, that's, that's way far away. I'm, ironically enough, I'm wearing a Japanese language t-shirt oh really it has kanji lettering on my shirt well, what do you know what does it say uh roughly i think it says elvis costello is alive oh okay that's very cool and, and topical considering yes. <laughs> he is alive yeah <laughs> like he um it's a message that was so he went to hong kong and like basically he just wasn't moving any records there mm, and yeah. so his record label columbia put him on the back of a flatbed truck ah. and put this banner that said, like, Elvis Costello is alive or something <laughs> on the side. <laughs> and they, like, drove up and down the street while him and the attractions played their music as loud as they could. Oh, very and nice. Then, and That's kind of a cool story. And then he got arrested for... Uh, the, the official charge was like selling records in the street. And he's like, and it's ironic because I sold no records. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that stunt didn't... Uh... It did not. It, it cost him money with bail. <laughs> yeah, That's I'm, funny. Yeah. I hope you had a fun trip at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. So that's the backstory of this T-shirt that you all cannot see. <laughs> well, perhaps. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. If Brent chooses to post a picture of that on Instagram, mm -hmm. you know, keep an eye out there because Brent has been pretty consistent about posting like a weekly type picture. Every Monday, I know. Um, Trisha P is supposed to be sending us a picture of when she gets her sticker, so I can hopefully get that posted this upcoming Monday. But if not, I've got a backup. Okay, I've got a picture too. in my back pocket to buy her another week. Well, I, I have, and by this upcoming Monday, that would probably still be a Monday or so back from Correct. when people are listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's it's on her, it's on the way. I'd hope to get it out Monday. I didn't get it out till Wednesday, but uh, oh. it may be to her by now. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and, and actually that brings up one little thing. Um, we did get. Uh, addresses from uh, Trisha and from Angel. Nice. So yeah, so now the only kind of regular contributor to the podcast that mm -hmm. hasn't sent uh, that info is uh, CJ. Okay. So you may just not want to send that info. Exactly. That's but fine. we still totally value him. Completely yes. value him as a listener. So. And all of our listeners for that. Oh, well, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I just didn't want him to think that uh, if he doesn't feel... Uh, if, if he doesn't feel that it's worth the sticker to send <laughs> us that information, yeah. that uh, we value him any less as a listener. Exactly. So. And I'd like Angel to, um, after she affixes her sticker to whatever she's going to affix it to, mm -hmm. the uh, back wrap paper or whatever, sure. I'd like her to crumple that up on her ASMR ah. station. <laughs> that's, that's an awesome idea, yeah. Now, do you think it would just be like a real short video? Or it could, would be. Oh, okay. I don't <laughs> know if she would just keep crumpling it for like exactly. 20 minutes. But exactly. <laughs> I would, you, after a while, it would get quieter and quieter, I think. As the, uh, I would assume. I would yeah. assume. But uh, I only have one, uh, I mean, I guess it's more than one interaction, but it's all related to one thing. Mm -hmm. um, I had made a post on Facebook about us mm -hmm. hitting a 1,000 followers. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, and I I'll, I'll read you my specific post. I said our page now has over a thousand followers, okay. but that seems too high for a seventh rate podcast. <laughs> if you have listened to an episode, admit it here and uh, put our leery minds at ease yeah. with a picture of Blanche looking suspicious. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and we got several responses to that. Actually, we got like thirty likes to that particular post. So nice. thirty out of the thousand listeners <laughs> exactly. are actual listeners. Um, exactly. Well, I mean that's fair. I mean because thirty times hundred and some episodes, mm-hmm. it's that'd work out to be. Yeah. Well, but it's not. A, uh, there's a thousand individual accounts yeah. that follow us on Facebook. So yeah. yeah, so thirty out of that a thousand accounts. Yeah. You know, I feel confident our actual listeners. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> there's probably a few more that didn't bother to hit the like button, but yeah. that's okay. We uh, appreciate all thirty plus of you. Yeah, we got messages. Uh, I mean, I won't go through all of them specifically, but mm-hmm. we got like a message from uh, Jennifer and from Yay. Tammy and Yay. from Stacy and. Yay. Uh, from Lisa, aka Mermaiden. Uh, CJ also sent us a message nice. on that too. Um, and then uh, we did get one from from a new listener that hasn't reached out before, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Shana or Shanna, S H A N A. Okay. Um, and she she said that she recently started listening mm-hmm. and that she's uh, just beginning on uh, season two at the moment. Oh really? So Probably she'll be hearing option. this. Yeah. yeah. And she, she made it past the adult education. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Anytime someone makes it past her first ten episodes or oh, five I, episodes. I thought she meant she was starting on season oh, two. Oh no, like no, two. I think she actually made it all the way through season one and then now is still stuck with it to go into season two. Mm-hmm. Hopefully she makes it to season five so she can hear this <laughs> shout out. Exactly. <laughs> it's a long road ahead, but yeah. uh... exactly. <laughs> many, many tears. <laughs> Wait for her. Um, Wait and until I, she gets to uh, the jacket one. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, other than that, nothing else to really report. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that the uh, Betty White nostalgia sentiment is starting mm-hmm. to die down okay. a bit just because yeah. our, our numbers are kind of coming more back to their natural yeah, progression exactly. as opposed to the bump oh, they had God the last month. Good rinse to those fair weather fans. <laughs> right. Well, January was our most listened to month ever, yeah. um, which people, I mean, that is the wow. way it should theoretically go, right? Uh, the snow one, plus I, I think it was more Betty White passing away mm-hmm. than the snow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now February is kind of back to the normal, like I said, gradual mm-hmm. increase that we would have seen. Cool. Um, but anyways. Yeah. So with that, uh, I don't have any other any other news to go over, um, so yeah. I'm ready to hand it off to Brent for huh? the recap. Plunge forward, sir. That's I will. <laughs> so Golden Girls Season 5, Episode 3, The Accurate Conception. Uh, Terry Hughes directed this episode. Terry Hughes. <laughs> we this, heard of him before? Yeah, this was shortly <laughs> after he directed the pilot for Chicken Soup, ah, which really? starred Jackie Mason as a Jewish man who fell in love with a Catholic Lynn Redgrave. Uh, Chicken Soup only lasted 12 episodes, and it's assumed that's because Terry didn't stick around to direct any additional episodes. So do you have any idea, was the premise of it just like the wackiness when an yeah. interfaith relationship? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty um, interfaith relationship between um, two elderly people. Ah, so, yeah. In this week's episode was written by Gail Parent, She'd previously written for The Bill Cosby Show, The Tim Conway Show, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, The Smothers Brothers Show, The Carol Burnett Show, and several other shows that starred people whose names I can never remember. That's so she was quite a resume. Really? <laughs> so she was probably pretty old when she wrote this episode. Yeah, then. I believe so. Because <laughs> that is some classic TV. Exactly. Even by 1987 or 88 standards, whatever exactly. it was. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so for the uh, This Day in History, uh, the original air date for this episode was October 14th, 1989. Oh, okay. And 10 random things that occurred on October 14th are um, 1894, lowercase author E.E. E. Cummings was born. 1912, Teddy Roosevelt is shot in the chest by John Flaming Shank, but with the bullet still inside him, he finished his speech. 
Uh, my, <laughs> real that, man does. Exactly. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, I get a paper cut. I won't even do this podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> We've had to reschedule so many because exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Mild chafing from a run. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Some men play through pain. I, I, I take three days off work. <laughs> goodness for FMLA. Exactly. <laughs> I know it well. And it's many, many bylaws. Right. <laughs> uh, 1927, uh, someone's favorite James Bond, Roger Moore, was born. <laughs> Do you happen to know who that someone is? No, but I'm sure somebody <laughs> yeah, has Yeah, there's got to be somebody out there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for most people, he'd be, what, like fourth on the list? Yeah. Like when I was a kid, it was definitely Roger Moore, you okay. know, but I didn't know any better. I actually <laughs> met someone whose favorite was Roger Moore. Nice. Who oh, was really? that? We had a... A group of friends we hung out with uh, on, on New Year's Eve. Okay. He uh, didn't ask you that. He just said, who was it? Looking for a name. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Go, can you, so New Year's Eve, you're hanging out with a dude. He's like, I love this. Roger oh, Moore. Crumb, I feel really bad. I can't remember his name offhand. You He's know not listening, so it's fine. All right. And you know a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's no shame for you to not remember You've the You've had name. many, many New Year's Eve parties that you can't remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I just hung out with them not too long. I feel bad that I, I threw can't my keys in the bowl and saw a blur. Scott, Scott, Scott. What'd you say? God, I missed that. I was, the, the gears were cranking. What'd you say? I want to miss. I don't want to miss. Like it. I threw my keys in the bowl and then it's all a blur. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now, would you say in that five in that hits joke, of acid later? Yeah. Well, I just was wondering in that in that joke. Is it that he throws his keys in the bowl because they have a designated driver type policy and no one's going to drive because they get too blitz? No, or no. Keys in the bowl because then it's going to pass around to the exactly. wives to see who he ends up with. Exactly. Uh, I think I'd say both would apply though. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> in that in those kind of parties, I would assume you can't say no. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> so you may need some <laughs> liquid encouragement. Exactly. You know what you're signing up for. Right. <laughs> So, um, 1947, uh, Chuck Yeager became the fastest man on the planet. Uh, we've had 75 Valentines since then, and Steve's still trying to finish faster. Maybe this will be your year, buddy. <laughs> uh, 1964, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. won the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, the only commentary I have for that is that I didn't know he'd won the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, neither did I. So Well-deserved, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're sure? <laughs> it's like, well-deserved. Well, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like, well, to serve, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I said I'm sure in a confident manner. Okay. <laughs> uh, 1982, uh, Ronald Reagan declared the war on drugs. I hope I don't live long enough to see them hang that mission accomplished banner. <laughs> uh, 1986, Keenan Wynn, who played Captain Joe Mad Dog Siska on Kolchak the Night Stalker, died. Uh-huh. By the way, I finished Kolchak and would love to do a 23-episode podcast about its brilliance. <laughs> you know, hit me up on the Insta if you'd like to co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I would love if that was, like, our highest, like, like influx of, like... <laughs> Like responses, yeah. There's tons of people like, yes, I want to do that cold check. Exactly. <laughs> I hope you're not lying. Exactly. <laughs> Don't get my hopes up. In <laughs> uh, 1987, uh, novelist Harold Robbins died. I don't know much about Harold Robbins, but I do know this: 
He loved his profanity. Uh-uh. His, his novels are littered with expletives. And in fact, when they went to 1986 San Francisco in Star Trek for the voyage home, Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock have a conversation about how America's profanity was the direct result of its love of Harold Robbins' novels. Uh-uh. And I'll never stop loving the fact that in Star Trek, all of America reads the same novels <laughs> and all of our potty mouths are a direct result of our love of literature. <laughs> yeah. Such... <laughs> <laughs> It's such a sad world. <laughs> the, the most ridiculous thing about that statement is that all of America would have read the book. <laughs> or a book. Exactly. So, um, in 1990, uh, Leonard Bernstein died before he could get the O in his egot. And 2009, Captain Lou Albano died. Um, anybody want to guess as to what Captain Lou Albano was a captain of? Uh, well... Let's see. So was he legitimately a captain of something when he... Correct. Okay. I, I guess I would say a shrimp boat. Nope. Um, nuclear sub? Nope. His high school football team. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was way off. So that's that's a man who had a glory and just going to ride <laughs> right. that out until the very end. Hey, well, listen, it worked out for him. He became uh, a Mario brother. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had totally forgotten about that. That's right. He did. So... All right, so act one, the nitty-gritty. The episode starts in the kitchen with Blanche being a good mother, Dorothy being a good daughter, Sophia being stubborn, and Rose being uncharacteristically uncharacteristically quiet. Mm. Uh, we transition to the lanai where Blanche's visiting daughter, Becky, announces she's going to be artificially inseminated. Blanche, ever the maternal spirit, lets her thoughts on the subject be known. The scene ends with Blanche doubling down on being the least maternal golden and volunteering the fact that the governess did most of the rearing. Mm. Uh, the following scene is that night and back in the kitchen. The Goldens all go on record about being opposed to artificial insemination. Rose at least seems willing to consider it if the sperm came from a Star Search winner. Personally, I'd <laughs> hope for the sperm of the Star Search loser, assuming that loser's name was Norm MacDonald. Uh, Blanche states that the sperm should never be bought. If you just look around, you can find it all over the place. If Blanche is used to seeing sperm all over the place, she probably should have kept a closer eye on George and the governess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rose tries to explain how cows are inseminated, but Sophia interjects with a story about her sow took her right behind a sausage and pepper stand from a street fair rendezvous to McSwirley's pub. Sophia had a wild nine months when she was younger. (laughs) And the scene definitely should have ended there, but unfortunately, Gail Parent didn't know when to quit. And we find out that Dorothy was unconscious when Stan impregnated her with Michael, and unfortunately, the other Goldens seem okay with this. Yeah. Yeah, that was a rough po- spot there. Now, you just went through about half the episode in about 20 seconds. <laughs> so, there were some key details I really thought you were going to harp on. Yeah. D- do, you, do you have someplace to be? <laughs> just saying. I got the job done in six bullets. Okay. Well, well, I'm going to slow this down a little bit and go through a few lines that you uh, glazed over during all of that. Um, you know, I... Early on in the episode, of like right at the very beginning, Dorothy was uh, haranguing Sophia about going to the doctor. Correct. Uh, and she says, uh, "Oh, you, oh, you didn't hear about Doctor Siegel?" And you know, Dorothy responds, oh, "Hear what? Happened, yeah. I'm not going." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty good line from Sophia to yeah. kick things off. Oh yeah, and then they're at you know when. Blanche was talking about doing some bonding with Rebecca, mm-hmm. which, I mean, there was some serious bonding that needed to happen, given mm-hmm. our last episode with right, yeah, completely yeah, yeah. different Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Man, she uh, she fought the uh, battle against weight, didn't she? Oh, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> uh, it was never mentioned, um, as it shouldn't have been in the first place. But mm-hmm. but she says, uh, Sophia asks, Dorothy, how come we never bond? 
And I like that she said, we're from before bonding and quality time. We're from when you stayed together because you had no choice. Mm-hmm. I, like I had thought line. about opening the episode that that's why Brent's here. <laughs> <laughs> I liked your bit about the Hawaiian shirt, though. Yeah, that, that was a, another call. I don't know if you remember that from the episode. Because uh, Sophia later on was talking about a another elderly person. And mm-hmm. I think Dorothy's like, oh, the one who wears the, the Hawaiian shirt that's not yeah, fooling yeah, yeah. anyone. Mm-hmm. And that was my yeah, reference. Yeah, and she there. was talking about how he went to the doctor one time. And then, like, weeks later, he, he died. Right. But didn't he get, like, whacked yeah, <laughs> by, like, a mobster? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did like, too, when Dorothy was trying to trick uh, Sophia into going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, oh, can I get a chocolate cream egg? which I'm not, Or a chocolate egg cream, uh-huh. which I'm not sure what that is. Uh, not sure. I can tell you, but I looked it up. Oh, what, yeah, is, it? what is it? I... I uh, I've heard of them before. I thought it was like a, maybe like one of the old style sodas, mm, okay. which it kind of is. The egg cream, uh, modern egg creams at least, have neither egg nor cream in them. Oh, okay. Because they're salmonella. <laughs> Say what? Because they're salmonella. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they ever did. I, it used to be, what Wikipedia said is that uh, it might actually be a mispronunciation mm-hmm. of a foreign word, mm. in which case uh, it, it, it means like, Authentic and real, or something. Mm. Oh, okay. And egg, I'm not sure. I forget what language it's. Well, what the hell is it then? But anyway, it's like a, a like chocolatey type syrup, right? Okay. And then soda water and milk. Oh, okay. Okay. Which I, it doesn't so really sound is, particularly good to me. It's like but milk is the cream, and yeah, okay. so it's kind of like so a chocolate kinda, milk, maybe a thicker I, I'm chocolate milk. Type it's kind of like a cream soda type deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. like a carbonated one. Yeah, like a chocola. Oh, okay. Chocolate maybe or you who or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are kind of like a poor man's chocolate milk in both cases, yeah. but but I remember loving them as a child. Mm-hmm. So When I was a kid, the um, the Marsh carried this um, diet cherry chocolate fudge soda, oh, yeah. and like as a kid, I just absolutely loved that, and now as an adult, I love the fact that it was diet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is an odd combination, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> cherry chocolate fudge yeah. diet. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see... Uh, but anyway, when she was asking about the chocolate cream, she said uh, she had told a story about tricking Dorothy into thinking she was going mm-hmm. to ride a pony or see a pony or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to get to the doctor. Yeah, yeah to yeah. get her to go to the doctor. And, and after Dorothy tried to trick her, she said, forget it, Dorothy. I smell a pony ride. <laughs> I thought was a, another solid Sophia line. Very clever. Uh, let's see. Uh, and then there was a part when when Blanche was talking to Rebecca there in the living room. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says... Was commenting on Rebecca's age. I think Rebecca's about to turn 30 or some significant age. And she yeah. says, uh, I never thought the day would come, but we are finally the same age. So that was a, a classic Blanche uh, mm-hmm. Blanche line. Yeah. Let's see. What else did I... Did you have any ski that you remember from that first portion? Well, there was portion? one that he, he said most of it, but he didn't uh, say the entire line. It was... Uh, I just thought it was really hilarious, especially coming from Blanche. The, the line was, sperm used to be free. Mm-hmm. It was all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds horrible. Sounds like a trip to uh, the uh, Days Inn or something. <laughs> yeah, like that episode of The Office yes, <laughs> when they yeah. do the black light. <laughs> Please be urine. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's either blood urine or semen. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a great one. Um, but yeah, let's see. There was. Uh, oh, yeah, and then Blanche, you know, of course, reacting in. I don't know what the attitude was towards artificial insemination back in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. It seemed like her reaction was way over, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over any reasonable amount, Correct. in my opinion. 
But she said something to the effect of, oh, well, at least wait till I'm dead and wait until all my friends are dead, too. The last thing I need is people whispering at my funeral. Mm -hmm. There is definitely nobody <laughs> who would have more people whispering at their funeral than Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You'd have six dudes fighting over who was going to be the pallbearer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just prior to that line, you talked about when they were talking about the uh, the sperm everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Rose says something to the effect of, uh, "Just last week, I was reading that you could buy the sperm of Nobel Prize winners, or was it Star Search winners? Mm -hmm. And I would hope that they would either be. I know you mentioned Norm Macdonald. Yeah, I was thinking maybe it'd be either Usher or Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention Kevin James or Brad Garrett or Drew Carey, uh, but then I was like, no, let's go the loser choices. route and Norm Macdonald. <laughs> all fine choices. Yeah." But, uh, uh, another great line was, uh, and he again, he kind of go ahead. So, if Alexis comes home and she's like, Hey, I've been impregnated by a star search winner, would you be crossing your fingers for Kevin James or Drew Carey? <laughs> if, if it was definitely one of the two, yeah, if she was like, It's a heavy set former comedian or exactly. you know, former star search uh, winner, yeah. winner. That yeah. is no, a I don't know comedian. that I ever watched star search, so I would just be like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I think her being pregnant with, <laughs> with the comedian's child. Well, yeah, the question wasn't, what are your feelings about their merits as a star search winner? Who, who would you rather like, have? Oh, your I'd next? rather be Kevin James because he had the extra half star. You know, I'm going Kevin James. At least he's younger. I mean, that's, that's true. Um, I but... think Drew Carey has better taste. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I, I don't know. He had his own show. Well, they both had his own show. Yeah. I would say both of them are older than us, though, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I bet they're late 50s. That's, that'll be the next level, um, I would say, yeah. for, for Alexis. If she wanted to kick <laughs> it up a notch, you know, mm -hmm. um, would be to, to get with... I mean, she's still with Eddie and everything, as far as I know, is yeah, going is. strong Good. and all that. So not to indicate that there's any uh, any issue there, yeah. but... What did the youths do for Valentine's Day now? Uh, they actually got to... They, we watched the baby last night, and mm -hmm. they just stayed at home. Oh, they did? Nice. She bought them some like, little presents, and they stayed home. Oh. Watch a movie or something. <laughs> so they have their uh, the big day for them. I mean, by the time this airs, it'll already have passed, but uh, Camden has his surgery on, what, the 25th? 22nd now. They moved uh, it forward just a few days oh, okay. uh, for a uh, surgeon's schedule or something. Mm -hmm. so. Well, hopefully... Uh, I mean, I, I know that you said that this surgery is, is very... Uh, has an extremely high success rate yeah, and very low mortality rate. Yeah, it's way more rate. common than I ever heard, yeah. but, uh, but uh, still, open-heart surgery on a baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Still very scary, nonetheless. My sister had open-heart surgery. Um, she would have been four, I think, at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Pretty so, young, too, yeah. Yeah, so she bounced back and yeah. everything. So. And she's, what, 40 now-ish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was, at the time, I mean, it was rare enough that, like, there were write-ups in the local paper and stuff like that. Oh, wow. So. I actually watched a, a movie. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, I remember, um, so my grandmother clipped one of the articles out, um, and it was like a little interview with my mom and talking about my sister and everything like that, and she kept it in her Bible. And then I'd always sit next to my grandma, you know, at church on Sunday mornings, and I'd pull that out, and I always got, like, so I'd read that article many, many, many times, and just fascinated by the fact that, like, words my mom said were in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. But then I got a little bit older, and I flipped it over, and on the backside, there was a movie review for Gandhi. Oh. And so I read that many, many, many Sunday mornings. <laughs> and that was even more interesting to me. I was like, I need to see this Gandhi movie. <laughs> Did you ever watch it? No, I don't think I've ever seen this. <laughs> Which is ironic. Yeah. Compared to like yeah. next episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple other lines in there. Um, this, again, 
uh, going back to some of the things that you had said, but Rose was talking about her and Charlie, um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess having conceived one of their children in an mm-hmm. unplanned fashion, um, mm-hmm. that she said that <laughs> I think they were dressed up as a... As a sandwich. Yeah, a cheese sandwich, uh-huh. and that they forgot to put the cheese between us, and uh-huh. before she knew it, there was Kristen. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, there was the horrible... Because... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason that Dorothy and Stan got married was because she was pregnant, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. I mean, so essentially it was completely a date rape kind <laughs> of a circumstance. That's totally how it sounds at the end. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, well, and I did, there was one funny part of such a horrible story, but it was that uh, I swear he must have slipped me something. And then <laughs> Sophia saying apparently, which I think she meant his penis. Yes. Correct. <laughs> I believe the, that's what she was referring to. And yes. I thought that was... Funny part, but I was really kind of surprised that. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> even by '89 standards, I would think that that would be taboo, but mm-hmm. nobody seemed to raise an eyebrow. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, number one show is probably like, Cosby. Am I right? That, that Stanley was a lovable scamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, let's see. I think uh, was there anything else? Any more meat on that Act One bone? I don't think so. I, 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 I think I've added as much uh, <laughs> as much back to it as I possibly could I have. A, I was going to harp on the quote, but I've forgotten it now because we got on tangent. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I... Yeah. I mean, I'm not sorry. Hell, Brent's the one who ran through that act like he was <laughs> Usain Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, not Usain. That causes more chafing right. and more FMLA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All, right. All right. So we ready for Act 2? Yeah. <coughs> Fire away. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Another six bullets. Oh, seven bullets and two sub-bullets. Wow. All right. Uh, So the next act begins in the living room with the Goldens greeting Becky and with Blanche asking if they want to go out for dinner. Becky again tries to convince Blanche that she's making the right decision for herself and taking ownership of her life. We transition to the kitchen the following morning, and there's a bit of back and forth between Dorothy and Sophia about the difference between incompetence and incontinence. Mm-hmm. I bring this up merely because I know that joke makes Alan smile. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. Um, I have it written down here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think you posted something or talked about it previously, how it's just your favorite little joke. I, well, I do like that joke. Um, my favorite, and it's dumb, but I always enjoy it on a sitcom, when they have the thing where one person is talking about something and the other person thinks they're talking about something else, uh-huh. and so it doesn't, you mm-hmm. know... It sounds way worse, whatever they are talking about yeah. in the context the other person thinks it is. Yeah. That's my favorite sitcom, what do you call it, like trope? trope. Yeah. 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 Nice. But I still enjoy a good incontinent joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rebecca strolls in and announces that there's a sperm bank near the house. I'm not sure what the zoning requirements are for Miami, but they must be pretty lax if you can have a sperm bank that close to a mink farm. <laughs> uh, the, hey, the mink farm was, I think, uh, you know... Un, uh, unapproved. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was a rogue one. Um, the Goldens decide that they're all going to the sperm bank. We see an exterior shot of the sperm bank and realize there's no way it could be close to the Goldens' house. Uh, <laughs> we see the non-Patrillo Goldens get off an elevator, and we find out that even though she doesn't have an account there, they can still see the sperm bank manager. <laughs> While they're waiting, uh, Dorothy and Sophia join them. All the Goldens take a seat next to a dude I would have sworn was a young little forte. I thought the <laughs> same it, freaking but, thing yeah, with I the mullet. Everything I could find, it just looked like a Tandy lookalike. It was not I, I, I don't think Will would have been too yeah. old at that point, or too young at Yeah, that point. yeah, yeah. He hadn't made the transition, or he was still a good six. <laughs> he was like a good six. <laughs> he didn't have his first credit for another six, seven years oh, or something okay. like that. <laughs> So may I mean there's a possibility it was him. Totally but he from wasn't the side quite, though, it definitely looked like him. It did. It did. 
So anyways, the Goldens, none of whom are going to be doing any business at all at this place, are allowed to see Dr. Manning. Mm -hmm. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know the esteem with which we hold Season 1, Episode 20. (laughs) And in an effort to bring a little of that adult education magic back to the series, the Goldens recast Dean Tucker, Jane Staley himself, as Dr. Manning. And wouldn't you know it, it worked. Kudos all around. I think he got MVP votes on that episode, too. (laughs) (laughs) At least one. (laughs) He may have a second in his future. (laughs) Stay tuned. Um, So Dr. Manning patiently answers the Golden's question and gives him mention that Becky's own doctor, you know, will be the one treating her. Uh, Blanche again goes on record about the evils of purchasing sperm, and then we get to the greatest punchline in the history of the Golden Girls. Blanche states that the Devereaux has never had to pay for sperm, and Dorothy responds that she's always depended upon the kindness of strangers. That was an excellent line. Yes, Yes, that was definitely a solid one. That actually was the last line that I specifically noted Mm -hmm. on my, uh, because there was no need to do anything else after that. (laughs) (laughs) So then again... uh, so that that concluded that act, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Um, there again was a few a uh, few lines that I thought were particularly good. One was, of course, when they were talking about going to the sperm bank in general. Sophia says, "You know, oh boy, we're going to a sperm bank. I can't wait to, or I can't think of a better way to pep up a slow day." <laughs> <laughs> and she was she... extremely excited <laughs> yeah. about all that. And then I, I think, think those dudes waiting in the lobby had the same idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm getting paid to do what? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she does ask, ask the guy, like, does your, does your mom know that you do it for a living or something? Yeah. And then... <laughs> She's like, in a cup? Normally I just do it all over the Devereux residence. Because <laughs> I'm a kind stranger. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then uh, Dorothy, though, of course, uses this to a, as a bribe um, for her to go to her... Get the doctor's checkup, yeah. Exactly, and and I, again, another great Sophia. She says, uh, all right, I'll go to the doctor, but this better be a great sperm bank. <laughs> I thought that was pretty solid. I don't know exactly what the uh, ranking for that is. Yeah. How... I think it's the seventh rate. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, let's hope it's not the Sophia's choice of sperm banks. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I liked how... Uh, it's not the garage mink farm of sperm banks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rose did make a comment that said she thought it would be more bank-like. Yeah. <laughs> well, then... So if there'd be lollipops on the counter? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, thank you. I'll pass. <laughs> I like to think of that, um, the rope maze you have to go through in order yeah. to get to the cup. <laughs> uh, I did like Clever. to Blanche mm-hmm. ask uh, Dorothy, what do you wear to a sperm bank? Uh-huh. Uh, which I think is funny in the general sense of like mm-hmm. that you dress for any occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says uh, something attractive and rubber. Yeah. And Blanche like, I have that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that was solid. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. Yeah, that's true. She clearly <laughs> wore something that was more fibrous mm-hmm. I mean, absorbent. I, I assume the dudes sitting there all had on boxers. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, well, they got to keep the flow going, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, Wearing whitey tidies to the <laughs> donation. Um, and the last, uh, actually there was, yeah, this is the last other line. You already mentioned the one mm-hmm. um, that uh, that stood out to me. I just thought mm-hmm. it was funny. is when they were talking to the doctor, he just says, uh, after selecting a donor from thousands of acceptable possibilities, <laughs> which I just thought, <laughs> acceptable, that's what everybody's looking for. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Well, I, it also infers that they dump a ton of sperm. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, nope, 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 sorry. You think that they can cut it off at the pass, though? And like when Maybe the dude so shows up with the application, they're like, nah, there's no way we're using this. <laughs> On your way, buddy. <laughs> Go back to Old Navy. (laughs) (laughs) 
sure there no, are old Navy. <laughs> there are plenty of ex- acceptable <laughs> acceptable donors working at Old Navy. <laughs> I love that joke because I don't understand it. <laughs> I assume he's just saying that Old Navy is the low end of your employee. Like that, if someone like, worked at Old Navy, you would not find them to be an acceptable donor. <laughs> Rose was talking about Nobel Prize winners. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was that. I was just telling people who wanted to whack off to go to Old Navy. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, just find yourself a fitting room near happened. the food court. It reminds uh, me of it. I need to go to the, the changing room. Exactly. Nothing gets me off like Did American flag t shirts. Right. No, thank you. <laughs> It reminds me of an old Conan O'Brien joke. It was when they did the, from the year 2000 bit. Uh, those um, were awesome. I love those. And he was like, in the year 2000, you know, we'll have a, a plague. We'll sweep the nation, turning, you know, half the population into zombies and wiping out, you know, our entire food population. Then people will reluctantly <laughs> yes. go to Olive Garden or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, it, it was something more like this. Bit, it was but, like. Uh, brain-eating zombies, and then when the brains are gone, they'll uh, be like skin-eating zombies, and then once all the zombies, or what's, once all, most of the zombies are gone, then people will reluctantly go to <laughs> the Olive Garden. But apparently, uh, apparently, if you want the lowest in, in Ski's mind, of, uh, of employment, <laughs> right? then, which Ski, yeah, I believe, was an old Navy employee, wasn't was. he? <laughs> For a brief, a brief time. time, yeah, but you worked in the back room, right? Because you didn't want people to see you there. <laughs> I know of what I speak. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some lazy coworkers in my day, but none as lazy as those old Navy bastards. Yeah. And he did a lot of whacking off in the back room, too. <laughs> that's why his mind immediately went right. there. That's right, that's right. No. Like, technically, I am getting paid for it. <laughs> Not the same rate as those sperm banks. Exactly. <laughs> Only chumps masturbate on their own time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that worked conversation out. here. Yes. Yeah. That's all that I have <laughs> for the second act. How do you follow up? Yeah. Uh, well, we follow up with um, a new feature here. Oh, hold on. Can I see something real fast? Sure. I, I remembered something I was wanting to say earlier. Sure. Uh, Rose was talking about the story about how on the farm they used to artificially inseminate animals. Mm-hmm. And a great line by Dorothy was that she was like, she stopped her story short, but she mentioned that it was surprisingly on topic for her. Yeah. There actually was a part of that story too that I mentioned to men, that I mentioned to bring up as well, where she was talking about the cows who apparently weren't, you know, getting some. Because uh-huh. uh, she said, uh, that they get this crazed look in their eyes, you know they're thinking, where's mine? <laughs> As you do. So, I mean, that was another thing I thought about opening the episode with, that you had a crazed look in your eyes. Exactly. But when like, I was watching it everything, and she mentioned um, whomever, you know, putting on a really long rubber glove. Right. And there was just this one brief moment where I really thought it was going to go with, but he didn't recognize that was a bull. <laughs> <laughs> and then just a rose look of like, you know, <laughs> where she kind of looks off to the side. Exactly. <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to go that way. Maybe you should have been the assistant writer on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not hanging out with Gail Parent and her <laughs> rape jokes. <laughs> yeah. Fair. All right. So this week uh, we're de- debuting a new feature uh, we're calling A Perfect Ten, a C. 
Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so a what? No, a perfect ten. A C. Okay. <laughs> so between you and me, it's a doozy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we just heard my favorite Golden Girls joke about how when it comes to sperm, Blanche is always dependent upon the kindness of strangers. Mm. So this joke is especially funny since it was originally spoken not about Blanche, but by a Blanche. I'm talking, of course, about Blanche Dubois from mm. Tennessee Williams, a streetcar named Desire. Of course, when Blanche DeBras said it, DuBois said it. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be funny so much as ironic, because in her case, depending upon the kindness of strangers, had only ever caused her grief and heartache. Mm. So I mentioned all of that because it's high time we shined a light on Mr. Tennessee Williams, the unsung literary hero of the Golden Girls. Oh, okay. So <clears throat> do the incoming. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, a graduate of the University of Missouri in one of our oft-mentioned favorite places, Columbia, Missouri. Tennessee Williams achieved his first real success at 33 when his play The Glass Menagerie debuted on Broadway in 1944. Although Dorothy might have seen this production, it's doubtful that Rose would have. That's okay, though, because when Rose was on Grab That Dough, the question wasn't about the Broadway version, but the film version of The Glass Menagerie that starred Paul Newman. Man, you're catching all kinds of stuff here. That's right. So his next Broadway play, A Streetcar Named Desire, was an even bigger success. Besides introducing us to Blanche Dubois, <laughs> Dubois, <laughs> who was inspired by his sister Rose, it also introduced us to a no-good husband named Stanley. When, when a West Coast production of A Streetcar Named Desire was launched in 1957, Rue McClanahan debuted Blanche Dubois in Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, so back on Broadway, Tennessee Williams was debuting Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, which featured Southern patriarch Big Daddy Pollitt, not to be confused with Blanche Devereaux's Big Daddy Hollingsworth. Mm. Uh, Tennessee Williams continued to debut plays throughout the 70s, but he also took time to attend the theater. In fact, after catching a revival of the Broadway production of Sidney Michael's Dylan, he wrote a fan letter to Rue McClanahan to let her know that her performance was utterly common and utterly noble, trippery combined with fierceness. Oh. Anyone wanting to give us a five-star review? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to give us a five-star review on the iTunes, uh, but you're unsure of what to write, you're encouraged to put our podcast as frippery combined with fierceness. And if you'd like to give us an equally deserved one-star review, feel free to put that we're utterly common. Both reviews are equally valid. <laughs> so, <clears throat> at the end of the '70s, he premiered a one-act play called "A Lovely Sunday for Crev Coir." And this one was about four aging women trying to come to terms with their changing roles within society. One lady was good-hearted like Rose. One viewed herself as sophisticated and upscale like Blanche. One was an immigrant named Sophie. And the fourth was a school teacher named Dorothea who was seduced by a no-goodnik in the backseat of a car. What? Wow. So now if, if Professor Cooper taught us anything, <laughs> it's that we don't make false accusations. So before anyone starts accusing Susan Harris of plagiarism, let's take a moment to point out that none of Tennessee Williams' works featured a character named Coco. And I think that settles the debate as to who the true creative was. So as we finish our Close recaps... Close that door. Exactly. <laughs> So as we finish our recaps of the Golden Girls, let's all be on the lookout for more Tennessee Williams references. If I were a wagering man, I'd put some money on us revisiting him in about 12 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive. That was a doozy. You like that? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll... That is one of the most eye-opening things we've talked about yeah. in this show. That, that is not in keeping with the typical Sophia's Choice style. <laughs> that was well-researched and, and gave insight that is not typically found exactly. here. Exactly. I was quite proud I of it. I felt like he was be. connecting so many like, 
I like tandems together. I felt like I was in the Matrix or something. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it was deep enough to be down the rabbit hole, but we definitely got our big toe in the rabbit warren. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think you at least chased the rabbit. You reached your arm in the hole to try to grab. It. May have just missed him, exactly. but <laughs> my grasp exceeded my reach. Right. <laughs> but no, I thought there was some solid content in there. There was some really solid content. Yeah. So highly impressive. Thank you. So for Act 3, uh, we transition to Becky's departure and find out that Blanche is still too distraught to even see her off to the airport. The Goldens talk some sense into her. Blanche and Becky reconcile and head to the airport together. Uh, the episode ends with the Goldens offering up one final ew at the thought of artificial insemination. Personally, I got the final ew out of my system when I learned that Sophia used to lay in bed wearing a baseball cap because corpses in the Dodgers used to get her husband off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was far more gross than any. <laughs> So uh, we only had uh, three guest actors in that one. At least they were credited. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Deborah Engel. Uh, mm -hmm. She played Rebecca. Mm -hmm. uh, Twenty-two credits to her name. This is her first of three Golden Girls, mm -hmm. and we also see her in the Golden Palace. Mm -hmm. um, I assume all as that particular character, that particular version of Becky. Yes. Um, then we also had a uh, James Staley. Yay. Dr. Manning, uh, 76 credits to him. Don't need to go over those, because if you want to hear him, listen to season <laughs> one, episode 20, because uh, this is his second of two Golden Girls mm -hmm. episodes. Uh, let's see. And then we had uh, Kelly Ann Kahn. Uh, she uh, was the receptionist. 18 credits to her name. Uh, only Golden Girls. She did do a, quite a bit of uh, soap opera work with mm -hmm. the 45 episodes of Santa Barbara and 71 episodes of Rocky Road, which is not a... a Rocky Road? <laughs> Baby Rook? That's right. <laughs> Did he say Rocky Road? A Rocky Road was, I think, some ice cream that he had, but Baby Ruth is, I think... Yeah, that, what he was saying. But he might have said both, actually. Yeah. yeah, I think he did. I think the Baby Ruth is a little more yeah, well-known. Yeah, but, yeah um, exactly. But so you're nothing if not... Uh, a deep cut man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not taking the low hanging fruit. Deep cut out, like like sidestep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Dorothea and Sophie characters in Fort that man. Uh -huh. I know. Seems pretty. That's a head scratcher. Yeah. Right there. Mm -hmm. So that one came out in 1979. So maybe while Susan Harris took a ten, night ten off and doing later. soap. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, "I'll go catch out this latest Tennessee Williams play." <laughs> I did an idea. So. Uh, Tennessee Williams was a homosexual, and amongst like the five great loves of his life, uh, one of them uh, was a Mexican hotel clerk. Um, Coco? I, well, that's how I went down that rabbit hole <laughs> trying to find somebody who called this dude Coco at some point in his life, and I couldn't. Anybody call him Pepe by chance? <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, Ski, uh, who got your MVP for this episode? Uh, I gave it to uh, Dorothy. I thought mm -hmm. she was the voice of reason consistently throughout the episode. Yeah, more so than the others, I suppose. Uh, how about yeah. you, Brent? Uh, Dorothy, just for her line, you know, dependent upon the kindness of strangers. Mm -hmm. I think that. Her timing was very good. Yeah, like, I think it's impossible to deliver the greatest line ever in the Golden Girls <laughs> and not be an MVP for that episode. So, no disrespect to Dean Tucker. <laughs> yeah, well, Dorothy got a clean sweep in this episode. I also gave her the MVP. Um, along both lines. I, I think yeah. she had good lines, and I think she also was the most reasonable out mm -hmm. of a uh, cast that actually was pretty unreasonable among all four of them, but yeah. she was the least unreasonable of them. So, Ski, uh, how many slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you? I gave it a fiver. Five? Basically the same reason you just said. It was a, it was a good episode, but like the girls were probably a little over... Uh, I thought it was a little extreme reaction. 
I can't talk. Yeah. Reactionary wise, and uh, I don't know. I'm not big on talking about sperm a lot, so. <laughs> Doing the wrong podcast. Didn't, didn't resonate with me. <laughs> uh, we talk about a lot of butt stuff, but not a lot of uh, mm-hmm. sperm. So yeah. need to find a way to merge the two. <laughs> right. Be more inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Brent? How many slices for you? A uh, seven and a half. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Um, it started off at the perfect eight, and then I knocked off a star because of Stan roofied oh. um, Dorothy and Sal was into necrophilia. But then mm-hmm. I gave it a half a star back because of Dean Tucker and mm-hmm. adult education <laughs> automatically gets you a half star bump. <laughs> I only gave Fair it. A, I only gave it a five. Also, it's really yeah. I thought it started off so strong, and there were, was a lot of good lines. But I'm a little tired, to be honest. Of every time there's any kind of a mildly controversial issue, um, Blanche always starts off on the wrong side. Like there can never be an episode where Blanche starts it's off her Southern heritage. I guess <laughs> She's but, just used to be on the wrong side of history. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that bothered me a bit. The fact that there wasn't really any resolution, there was normally Blanche sees the light at the end of it, where she's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I can see where maybe I'm being narrow-minded about this or whatever." <laughs> In this one, Didn't it just really was, have that closure. Yeah, this one it was just like, "Well, I don't want to lose my daughter, so I guess whatever, um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll handle this." So, yeah, I don't know. There was just, uh, and then you know, the other uh, couple jokes that you had mentioned too <laughs> were. Didn't they a replace too- a Becky on Roseanne also? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Lacey Goranson got replaced with Sarah Chalke. Yeah, but then far, they brought her back. Far better replacement, if I had to say. Although I like both. Yeah. See, I think, I think it just as a person and an actress, I prefer Sarah Chalke. Mm-hmm. But as far as, uh, as Becky's Becky. go, I prefer Lacey. That's fair. So, anyways, but overall, I, oh, go ahead. Uh, Cassie was watching The Simpsons earlier with, um, oh, I'm blanking on her name, Darlene. What's her name? Oh, uh, Sarah Gilbert. Yeah. Um, where she was the voice of Lisa or. Bart's crush, whatever. Mm. I forgot how solid of an episode that was. Yeah, yeah. That's the one with the man to hug and kiss. <laughs> <laughs> the Sherry and I, or me and Sherry and I and the kids, we always uh, like have a show that we're working on together. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we're going through a Superstore. Okay. But yeah. whenever Sherry's not home, because she, you know, recently started doing private practice mm-hmm. uh, for mental health and, and whatnot, so she has some nights where she's not home at dinner mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And when she's not home, Simpsons is typically what we end up watching. Yeah, yeah. So I've been going through and yeah. picking out some of my favorite episodes as we go. Nice. Have you guys watched Superstore before? No, we had, Gwen had watched through most of it, I think. Uh-huh. But then, and she was the one who suggested it. Yeah. And then she stopped watching it so that she could finish it off at the same mm-hmm. time that we do. Yeah. Um, it's such yeah, a cool. great show. Yeah, it's it really funny. solid. Yeah. So we're in season three, about halfway through season three. So we still gotcha. got a ways to go. I um, so Mark McKinney who plays um. Glenn, the store manager, uh-huh. or whatever. Like he kept mentioning Jerusha, and she was unseen for the longest time. Yeah. And I was just hoping like another one of the kids in the hall would be cast as Jerusha. Oh, that would have been great. Like showing up in a dress. <laughs> I haven't seen. I it didn't yet. even realize it was him for the first episode. I first know. First season. <laughs> I just <laughs> not been kind. Well, he looks so different, but I was like, man, I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's him. Yeah. I just keep hoping because we haven't met Jerusha yet. Mm-hmm. Gwen has seen far enough in that she did confirm that mm-hmm. we do see her, and I I keep wondering what's going to be like a an office, not office, but a Parks and Rec type situation mm-hmm. where you know Jerry's oh, wife is. Yeah, a, gotcha. <laughs> so, but I guess I'll find out You'll here find out, yeah. sometime in the nearest future. So, mm-hmm. neither of you two have anything else to add to this episode of uh, Golden Girls? No, I think it's solid. Um, I have nothing else either. All right. Well. uh Stay golden, Blanche DeBra. <laughs> <laughs> and Coco. Yeah. It's a hard word. 
Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. I was laughing when I got down here. Uh-huh. Do you remember what I was telling uh, Joey last week about what he had to remember? I'm going to pee real quick. Folks. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I don't remember what were you telling him. I didn't remember either. I was being funny just saying the stupid crap. I told him that I'd pay him $2 if he could remember what momentum uh. was the formula for momentum <laughs> be equals MV. And he did. Yeah. And I told him he had to find out what... Uh, E equals MC squared, man. Mm. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> so I owe him four bucks. You know what's funny about that is that um, <laughs> he doesn't do a lot of independent study um, when it comes to <laughs> getting ready for testing. He was standing over on the uh, trampoline while we were, while you guys were coming over, and he was bouncing. I mean, like, E equals whatever. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and. and to remind himself. <laughs> and I thought, like, oh, wow, he's actually trying to study for a science test. But no, no, no science test. He's just trying to earn so some money. <laughs> yeah, just pay him. <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. I, I had completely forgotten. <laughs> I don't have any money, so I have to get it from Nikki. That's pretty great, though. It that's... is. <laughs> That was weird, like, because I didn't see you come in, and it almost looked just out of my peripheral, like, Ski just stood up and walked around the table. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing trying to steal Brent's seat? Because <laughs> I know what's you. So. Mixing it up. <laughs> so you're doing the first recap, right? Correct. Okay. And then the intro to episode two, yep. in, or the following episode, and then right. probably taking a little nap during the, <laughs> the third one. <laughs> are you feeling a little sleepy today? I'll be okay. I got two beverages, so. Oh, okay. oh yeah, you're two-fisting it there, aren't <laughs> exactly. you? Exactly. <laughs> All right, Ski, so you ready to kick off our uh, first episode? Um, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you really want me to. <laughs> oh, yeah, not to last. That's a rarity. I know, I know. Hopefully, uh, it's hopefully. It's not best for last. <laughs> <laughs> well, my only concern is, you know, I, th- I thought maybe we should have saved Brent. It's adequate Brent. for last at best. <laughs> well, part of me thought we should have saved Brent for last just because that'll keep him awake and engaged. <laughs> Good, but. Is load now? Right. Exactly, because I always finish first. <laughs> right. So it's more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, more in your wheelhouse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a uh, funny uh, SNL skit with Adam Driver, which mm-hmm. I love him on SNL. Have you mm-hmm. seen any of the stuff? That's yeah, on the Star Wars one, I think. He yeah. was pretty good. And uh, I've seen it. I didn't see his episodes, but I saw skits well, from I've, his episodes. I've seen enough of it. That right. I haven't seen the whole episode either, but like probably most of the sure. main skits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a Mr. Science type thing, mm-hmm. right, where he's talking. He's got two kids. And uh, he said, all right, kids, what comes first? You know, safety is supposed to be mm-hmm. first. And the girl says, the guy. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? My sister says the guy always comes first. No, 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 no. That's a horrible conversation. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. All right. Here we go. Welcome to another episode. I'm going to do that again. That was a little loud. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I, like, I, I like to be a little bit 
upbeat when I started yeah, off. Yeah. That was a mu- that was a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to dial it back. Yeah. Can't keep that energy going all night. <laughs> right. Three episodes, okay? We gotta spread it out. 